This episode of Lean Green Dad Radio is brought to you by Lisa Sleep, helping the world sleep better one beautifully designed and crafted mattress at a time. Visit them online for your hassle-free mattress buying experience at lisa, L-E-E-S-A dot com slash leangreendad and use the code leangreendad at checkout for 100 bucks off your order. That's lisa.com slash leangreendad and use the code Lean Green Dad. Hey everybody, welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. <laughs> From sunny Orlando, Florida, this is Lean Green Dad Radio, the podcast that provides fuel for families. And now, here's your host, Corey Warren. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. We are proudly brought to you by the Parents on Demand Network, which is an app of a ton of great parental podcasts. So make sure you go check them out at parentsondemand.com. Also, make sure to subscribe and review us in the iTunes store if possible. That means so much to us and it allows us to keep going and keep the show moving along. So, Uh, What's up, folks? My name is Corey, and if it's your first time hearing us, then thank you so much for tuning in and spending some time with me. We have an awesome guest, as usual. Um, But who am I? Who is is this guy you're listening to? Well, my name's Corey. I'm a husband. I'm a father of three crazy kids and a plant-based athlete. And each week I get to talk to some of the most inspiring people that I can find to help keep me motivated to stay fit, eat healthy, and really get the most out of life as a busy parent. See, I don't know if this is the same for you, but for me, finding time to work out, make healthy, quick meals for me and my family, all while spending quality time together, can be really hard when we overschedule ourselves. So my hope is that by me getting a chance to talk to some of these great folks, that you will take away some quick tips or inspiration that you can use in your life to keep you and your family going strong. Now, today we're talking to a vegan pioneer, a trailblazer, as I say in this show. But truly, she is one of the most amazing women, and uh, I I was starstruck to have her on the show, quite honestly. Her name is Colleen Patrick Gaudreau, and she's responsible for my first vegan recipe cookbook and one of my favorite vegan recipes ever. Which one was it? Well, you'll have to stay tuned to find out, but... Colleen is an author, she's a speaker, she's an animal rights advocate, and she has multiple, multiple amazing books out there and two extremely popular podcasts, uh, Food for Thought, which has been running for like 12 years, and then uh, Animology, uh, which I'm sure if you're listening to this show, then you're probably going to love these two, so go check them out. Um, She also runs the 30-Day Vegan Challenge, uh, which she'll tell you more about in the show. So, Without any further ado, let's get into it. It's my delightful talk with the one and only Colleen Patrick Goodrow. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. As I mentioned, we have Colleen Patrick Goudreau joining us. I am so honored to have her. And guys, I, uh, I'm, I'm gonna nerd out a little bit for you here because I am a huge fan of Colleen's. In fact, I didn't tell her this before we recorded, but Colleen, you are actually responsible for my very first ever vegan recipe from your book, The Vegan Table. And um, that recipe is the Harvest 
stuffed acorn squash. So mm. with that, welcome to the show, Colleen. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. <laughs> You know, it's it's one of those things when you're first starting off on a vegan diet, you don't know what the heck to eat. Some people are very stressed about that, yeah, in fact. And, uh, you know, when I, I had never even eaten an acorn squash before, and I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy this book. It was, it, this, this woman seems really personable, and <laughs> these recipes seem very simple, so I'm going to buy this book, and I got it. Uh, of course, this is back, I mean, the book was written back in 2009, and there's, what, seven or eight books since then, but... Um, Still, it, it, it just made everything very simple for me. And uh, I love that about you. It's it's simple. It's it's a message of compassion. And it's something that speaks to everyone. So, you know, on behalf of, I guess, the me personally and the vegan community, I mean, thanks. You're, you're one of the pioneers in this in this movement. Well, thank you, Corey. That really means a lot. And it speaks to exactly why I do this work. It really is meant to give people exactly what they need to make this possible. It's not to turn people into chefs or, you know, use ingredients that are exotic or intimidating. It's really about giving people exactly what they need. And, you know, those recipes in the vegan table are really special to me. I mean, all of my recipes are because every one of them that I put out is put out with intention. And that book is really a compilation of 10 years of cooking classes that I taught here in Oakland. And I know that feedback. I know what how people feel about those recipes. I know what worked well. But I know that feedback of I never had acorn squash before or I've never cooked with broccoli before. And I'm in Oakland, California. You know, I'm not in the middle of the country where people have less access to whole right. fresh uh, produce, right? So I'm in, you know, an, an urban uh, area that's the you know the the fruit basket of the nation in terms of the food that's grown here and people didn't know what to do with with broccoli and so it really is a testament to uh, to my intention and I'm I'm that just means so much to me that I put these recipes out and that people use them and love them and they become part of their repertoire it's it's a real honor. Oh, well, it's it's great to have you. Like I said, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of the podcasts, of course, Food for Thought and Animology. Folks, uh, if you haven't listened to these podcasts and you're not subscribed, you got to go check them out. Uh, and if you're listening to this podcast, then obviously uh, this is one that you're going to love as well. So check check both of those wonderful shows out. Uh, you know, Food for Thought's been going on for what, over 10 years, Colleen? Is that right? Yeah, 12 years now. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Congrats on that. <laughs> Just amazing. So let's uh, let's get into it a little bit. Um, you know, with with the movie What the Health having come out recently, I feel like there's a wonderful surge of people's awareness of not only the compassion side of things, but also the awareness of taking care of the planet, and then you know, even selfishly for yourself. You know, um, there's multiple reasons that anyone can, you know, start to pursue this lifestyle. And for me, everything that I do happens you know, for my family, my, my wife, you know, uh, living with her ulcerative colitis on a daily basis and, and eating the, the whole food plant-based diet that we can, uh, the best we can. And then my kids, you know, teaching them a life of compassion and helping them understand that, you know, animals uh, are living creatures. And uh, that, that connection um, that I read about when, when you were so young and, and kind of your, your reason for, for diving into this was, that that connection made between animals being living things and 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 eating them and i feel like when that connection is made you can't go back 
you know um people have they have dogs they have cats and they don't necessarily connect that the hot dog they're eating was a pig you know who who's genius you know so i just kind of wanted to give you a second to to talk about that you know that realization that you had at such a young age and then also you know where you are today with that and and your thoughts on that yeah it's about consistency right i mean it's about consistent consistency in terms of our perception, so consistency of the recipients of our compassion. So for a lot of us, we, you know, we we grew up with dogs and cats. We grew up being encouraged to be compassionate, to care about the birds, you know, flying in our yards. I mean, just this kind of basic compassion for the animals we see, the animals we name. And then when we find out that the animals we're eating were actually also once living beings <laughs> who who wanted to live, you know, I mean, all, all things want to live. I mean, that's the bottom line. And when we realize that we are complicit in taking that away from them, taking away that choice, taking away their autonomy, taking away their relationships, taking away their lives. And for me, it wasn't just this philosophical idea of like, oh, they want to live. I'm taking that away. It was the violence inherent. It is the violence inherent in bringing animals into this world only to kill them. It's that simple. So when you realize that that the pig that I was eating or the, you know, the cows that I was eating are, have the same desire to live as the dog who I loved so much in my own home. It really was about just consistency of compassion. And it's also consistency in terms of my own values. So this is what being vegan for me is. It is nothing more than this very simple tenet that I'm reflecting my values in my behavior. And that's what it comes down to is that I consider my, you know, I was a compassionate person before I was vegan. I think it's always really important to remember that so that when we encounter non-vegans, it's not like they're monsters and I'm so good, <laughs> right. right? And I think that's a real mistake that a lot of non, that a lot of vegans make because they forget who they were before they became vegan, this, uh, this transformation that occurs. And I was a good person. I was a compassionate person. It was just compartmentalized. And so consistency is what it means to me to be vegan. I consistently reflect my values of compassion. I, ref I reflect those values consistently in terms of who's the re who the recipients are of that compassion. And that means everybody. That means consistently all animals, including humans. And, you know, and I, and I do the best I can. And consistency also means it's not about being perfect. It's just about being consistent. So when that's kind of your intention and that's your goal that you keep that in mind that your goal is to be as compassionate as possible and vegan happens to be the way to get there in a, in a pretty powerful way then it doesn't change and so it's the same for me today as it was when I first became I mean it really when I first became vegan when I was vegetarian there was definitely a lot around factory farming specifically uh, I was still consuming uh, chickens eggs and animals milk and so it, it became really about consistency uh, when I became vegan that was the real change and I think that's the case for a lot of people I love that being vegan is about consistency with your compassion that that I think that's the quote for the episode so mm -hmm. thanks for that there's the marketing mm -hmm. for that <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know I, I had a mother come to me recently uh, via Facebook message and she said listen I 
I have a daughter. She's, you know, five years old and she wants to have a vegan diet. She's told me, mommy, I want to be vegan. And she's like, the whole family eats meat. And they're like, well, what's, what's going on, honey? You know, and she, she listens to her and she asked her about it. She didn't make her feel bad about it. So that was a huge win. I congratulated her on that. Mm -hmm. But she said she doesn't like killing animals. And um, her favorite food actually at the time was bacon. And the mom's true test was, okay, um, sweetie, I, I need to talk to you. And so she, she actually recorded this on video for me uh, because mm. she, didn't, she didn't know mm. what was going to happen. And she said, listen, honey, I, I need to talk to you about your vegan diet. I just want you to understand, you know, one of your favorite foods is bacon. And bacon is uh, actually, you know, a, a pig. It's made from a pig. So are you going to not eat the, the bacon anymore? Is that what you're telling me? And she sat there and she thought about it for a long time and she paused and she said, no, I'm, I'm not going to eat bacon anymore, mommy. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was the test. That was like, okay, listen, Corey, she's serious about this. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to do. And, you know, the reason I bring up this whole story is she is, uh, she's very religious in the sense that she follows the Bible to a T and, um, you know, regardless of anyone's religious beliefs or anything else, I just... I don't know how to guide her through that that mental part of it because I guess there's, you know, the, the Bible's up for interpretation depending on whatever you believe. And I guess I've, I've had two conversations with two completely different folks that are very, very religious. One of them said that the Bible says that they um, animals were put here for us to eat. And one says that, well... It says that, but it also says that we should be compassionate, so it kind of falls into the same kind of thing. So a vegan diet would be fine. Do, do you have any thoughts on on how we can help her navigate that? Uh, is it is she thinking about it too much? Should she just make it a, a bit more basic and easier for her and her family to understand? Well, yeah. I mean, especially if you get to the core of what people who follow whatever religion uh, espouse, which is, uh, which is compassion. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, you know, be kind. That's really what so many of the messages in so many of the world religions whittle it down to is be kind. And, and, you know, the first thing I thought of when you were telling me about this mother is the first thing the mother should do is congratulate herself herself because she's obviously raising a child who's thoughtful, who's thinking critically and who cares. And so, you know, the mother can take some, some solace in that. I mean, that's so beautiful. And if that is, and I would, I would imagine that all of those qualities, all of those characteristics are in alignment with what she teaches, um, in terms of the religion that they follow. So it's consistent. Again, it comes back to consistency. There's nothing inconsistent about reflecting your values that you have as a human being, as a, as a compassionate human being, as a good human being, and especially as a religious human being, there's only consistency in re- reflecting your values of being stewards of the earth, in, in caring and in being kind, in, in not being violent and not creating violence. Um, you know, you said that she follows the Bible to a T. No, she doesn't. If anyone followed the Bible to a T, we'd all be insane because there's so many <laughs> just inconsistencies and there's sure. just so much um, uh, contradictory uh, passages. And so what we all do is we all go through life interpreting uh, what it is that makes sense for us and we let go of the rest and then we justify whatever paths we choose. And so she'll do that. Uh, one 
one way or the other, I would just encourage her to justify the parts of her and her family's values and the religion that she adheres to uh, in terms of those messages that are about kindness and compassion. Oh, no. Yeah, I love that. I totally agree. Uh, Tell you what, we are going to take a quick pause and give some love to our show sponsor. Hey guys, what's up? It's Corey. And if you know what it's like to shop for a mattress in a mattress store, it's just straight up weird. I mean, look, you're laying in beds that other people have laid on. You really don't get a chance to truly give them a good test. You know what I mean? Because you can't fall asleep on them. I mean, unless you want to spend the night in the store. But I mean, who does that, right? Okay, but seriously, the showroom experience is a thing of the past. And the marketing buzzwords and the fake features, they... They have these big mattress companies forgetting all about the most important thing, right? A reliable, comfortable mattress. And at a reasonable price too, I might add. So, uh, what if what if you could redesign the mattress as we know it? Reinvent the sleep experience. Well, that's exactly what my friends at Lisa are doing right now. I got my Lisa mattress a little over two weeks ago and it's been like heaven. My wife and I ordered a queen mattress and we noticed the difference in our bodies like right away, like after the first night. Now, um, you know, it's, it's been like 10 years since we replaced our mattress. So, you know, when we saw some pretty dramatic changes, it, it makes sense, you know, I, but listen, I'm sure that if it's time for you to switch out your old mattress, that you'll notice some great things for your first night of sleep as well. So give them a shot. Uh, you know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking probably this is a crazy idea, right? You know, um, what I'm supposed to just like order a mattress through the mail and it just, you know, comes to my doorstep and now I have this mattress. I can't, you know, I can't try it out. But here's the thing. It's risk free. They have a hundred night in home trial backed by a no hassle, full refund policy. Now, all that's great. But the thing that really sung to me about Lisa and the reason that I'm working with them is they have a really wonderful mission. For every 10 mattresses sold, a mattress is donated to someone in need. I mean, there's staff, they, they plant trees, one tree for every mattress sold. And they, they support, they support the local community, they support charities, they're incredible. So, you know, obviously guys, this is a great company. Um, if you choose to work with them for your mattress or buy from them for your mattress, you, you'll get a hassle-free experience. Go check them out, uh, lisa.com. And of course, that's L-E-E-S-A.com slash dad. And you want to use the code dad, all one word, uh, at checkout for $100 off your mattress purchase. That's lisa.com slash dad, And uh, it'll pre-populate that code dad for you at checkout to save 100 bucks. We love ours, and I know you'll love yours too. All right, back to the show. How do you talk to your kids about <laughs> how do you talk to them about what, you know, like chicken nuggets are made from? I mean, is 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 it just that simple as, you know, this hot dog was a pig? Uh is that does that resonate with them? Because I feel like if all kids like knew from the very beginning that they were eating animals, uh, you know, very similar to you, like when you were talking about uh I read in your bio in the past, it's like, you know, your parents just kind of like just didn't really talk about what it was made out of. It was like, this is dinner. Let's just let's just eat it. We don't need to worry about what it's made from. But I feel like if more kids were told the truth of exactly what it is, they we might have a lot more vegans in the world, yeah? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the reason why so many parents try to shield their children from the truth of it, whether it's coming from teachers or other adults or the media, is they don't want their par- they want their children to know because it would mean they'd have to change what they're doing. Michko, speaking of <laughs> speaking of animals, she just came in here with her um with her toy. She my one of my cats carries her toy around when she wants attention. Aww. And now you can hear her. <laughs> it's good. She's okay. an extra guest. I welcome her to the show. I love that Michiko's voice is on the show. <laughs> so, so, um, so what was I saying? So about, uh, uh, we were talking about kids and getting them to learn more about naturally that animals were food. Right. So first of all, parents shield their children from learning that. And, um, and you know, we as a society also shield each other. I mean, one of the things I talk about a lot as you know, in the Food for Thought podcast, but also in animology is the language we use that masks the things that we're actually doing and mm. and and the, the, the living beings we're eating is all of these euphemisms we use. And so, of course, even the words like pork and beef and poultry, all of those, you know, there's a wonderful history and it's such an interesting history in terms of how we started using those French-derived words. But what they today they really do have the effect of being euphemisms for and, and, and masking the pigs, the cattle, the cows, the steer, you know, the different animals. Um, and so it makes it easier for us to become desensitized. Now you could say, well, what about chickens? We say chickens. And I have kind of an argument about that too, that the word chicken itself has become when someone says, do you eat chicken? That's we've become inured to that as well as being a product rather than being uh, a living bird. Right. Um, so if I were to say to you though, if do you eat chicken? with an S, making it plural, because we don't hear it that way, you'd go, no, like that, but you hear it kind of for the first time, you hear the individual animal when you say, do you eat chicken? Yeah, I love chicken. Do you eat chickens? Uh, No, like it's so, so our language is very powerful around this. And so, so yes, I think being truthful and of course, talking about all of these things with our children at age appropriate times. I mean, not everyone's going to be able to, no one, not everyone should process the same things. You know, a five-year-old will process it differently than a 10-year-old and they need to hear it in the language that is good, good and safe and appropriate for them. But that doesn't mean we can't talk about it with them. And I think we, we absolutely need to. And so, you know, even sitting down with her in this example, uh, saying that we eat pigs, I mean, that's perfect. And, and letting the child uh, kind of come to that conclusion, you can keep doing that. She may have said, well, I really want to keep eating pigs. Maybe she doesn't have enough information. Maybe she hasn't, maybe she really hasn't heard enough or seen enough. And again, that's appropriate for her age uh, to really understand. And that's really up to the parents, you know, parents, you know, I've often said people say, well, parents who raise their children vegan are imposing their, uh, their values on their children I'd say well of course they are it's called parenting we impose our values on our children all the time that's what we do as parents and so you're doing nothing wrong by again consistently instilling the values that I would imagine you're already teaching your children and then I think it's really important to get into okay what are we talking about when we talk about bacon it has nothing to do with the fact that it's from pigs it has everything to do with the fact that they cure the flesh of these animals they add salt which is really tasty they they may add smoke, which is really tasty, and then we fry it up, which is really makes it really tasty. So when you add salt and fat and smoke to anything, you're going to really enjoy it. So I really try to deconstruct what it is that people say they love when they say they love bacon or they say they love beef. Uh, what is it that you really love? And oftentimes it's it's that. It's the fat. It's the smoke. 
It's the salt, it's the familiarity, it's the texture. And if we can understand that that's what it's about when we say we love these particular products, then uh, then we can say, oh, okay, well then how can I replicate that uh, with plants so I'm still getting all the same satisfaction without hurting animals? Oh yeah, plants on the grill, that's that's where it's at. And you, you can add that liquid smoke if you want or you can add the smoke from the grill, whatever you want. But uh, yeah, you're right. Any, you add salt and, you know, fat to anything that those are the things that we instinctively crave as humans that's that's gonna taste good to us yeah makes a total bunch of sense um your your starting point was diet for a new america right that was the 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 thing for you that was like okay this this is blowing my mind you know for me it was forks over knives like so many people these days and and now with the new uh what the health but you know Am I am I right in that diet for new new America and John Robbins and his book was that the the point for you where you were just had your eyes opened? It was that was that was when I stopped eating land animals and it was what he talked about it was it was the photos and these are you know if you look at the book now I mean it was black and white photos they weren't you know they were grainy they weren't really that clear this was you know undercover as so often they are. And, uh, and that was the first thing that was when I went, what am I doing? And I was in 19, 20 years old. Uh, so that was the start of my journey and I'm glad I continued it because I was, I was vegetarian, but not vegan for many years before I finally, um, made the final transition to being vegan. Very cool. Very cool. And, uh, let's talk about the 30 day vegan challenge. How has that worked out for you? And for people that don't know, um, what it's all about. Let's, let's talk about it. And, and, you know, I think some of these folks, these moms, these dads that are coming to me and they want to do this for their family, I think this might be a good way for them to kind of ease into the vegan lifestyle. Absolutely. The whole intention behind the 30 day vegan challenge, there's the book, there's the online program, there's even the email program through what the health, uh, that people can sign up for, for free under the take action link in the menu at the what the health website and uh and it really is the whole intention is to say to folks like look you know change is hard it's just true change is hard once we establish our habits change is just really difficult for people and what i find is that if you do if you remove something from your life and you don't replace it you're going to falter you have no foundation on which to stand and so the 30 day vegan challenge is all about saying look i'm going to do this for 30 days because you also number one change habits it's within three weeks, four weeks, especially if you're really replacing those old habits with new ones. But it also gives you the chance to really, really make changes. Because if you just say, yeah, I'm cutting out this or I'm cutting out that, we just, studies show, I mean, research really shows that in order to really, like smoking cessation is the same kind of um, results that we see, is that what, where you really see results is where people um, stop altogether. Because mm-hmm. what happens then is that you enable Enable yourself to go look for something different that you wouldn't necessarily look for if you were still dabbling in the old habit. So the 30 day vegan challenge says, look, do this for 30 days. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to answer all of your questions about food, about nutrition, about cooking, about eating out, about traveling, about children, about packing lunches, all of it. And by the end of the 30 days, you will now have a foundation on which to stand. And I have found that it's it works, and I have thousands of thousands of letters to um, to attest to that, and I'm really grateful for that because I find that's really just what people need is just that hand, um, as you know, right? The question 
questions that people ask. And that's what makes it a little easier too. It's not like I get questions that I've never been asked before. We've all been through this and we all have had the same experiences. We all live on this planet Earth. And so there's not a lot that's different for you, for me, for someone in wherever they are. It's all pretty much the same because it's cultural and uh, and because we all have the common the common commonality of of eating like we all we all definitely share eating and so there's not a lot of unique um there aren't a lot of unique issues that come up so it covers it's pretty it's pretty comprehensive yeah it's, it, i'm guessing it starts with protein then it goes to b12 then d3 <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can almost predict it but it's okay folks if you if you just starting off in this lifestyle it's okay ask the protein question i think any of us who have been in this vegan lifestyle for a while can help you with that um you know, the simple answer is don't worry about it. You know, there's don't worry about it. and yeah, and I'd rather people ask the questions, right? Because I know that there's other you know advocates or vegans, and just in general, you can get annoyed. You know, it's like, oh my god, are people really still asking this question? And I get yeah. that, but really, I mean, I'm I'd rather people ask the question because there's so much confusing information out there. Yeah, come to, come to me or Colleen. We will not make you feel stupid for asking exactly. that question. It's okay. Exactly. It's okay. <laughs> um, what's new for you? What's what's the latest book? There are so many books out there. T- tell me about the latest book and tell me about what is on the horizon for you so we can get people involved, interested, and in, in buying, hopefully. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, so I mean, really focused on my work around language. And I mean, so I'll just explain. So Animology that you've mentioned uh, is the podcast. Um, and it's a podcast about the animal-related words and expressions we use. And it's not just about, oh, gosh, we shouldn't say things like, you know, cut to, uh, I, I always say my alternative because I, I say my alternative so frequently that I forget the original, which is kill two birds with one stone. Uh, I often say cut two carrots with one knife or, you know, hit two cans with one stone. I mean, just <laughs> making us all aware that there's language we use, as we were saying before, that inures us to violence. And uh, and so there's that, but it's also just origins. So many of our words um, are have, have animals in their origin. And for me, all of this says so much about how connected we are with animals. It's in our language. They're in our language. They're in our language for better or for worse. And on one hand, I I love celebrating that and showing how connected we are to animals. And so the conclusion for me is, and so if we are that connected, and I argue we are, then we need to make sure our policies and our behavior reflect that connection and and, and that, that history and that compassion. And yet there are also parts of our language which really reflect violence towards animals, which I don't think really reflects who we are and how we feel about animals. And the conclusion I draw about that is, and if that's the case, then what do we need to do in terms of changing our behavior, but also changing the way we talk about them? So it's uh, the project is broad. It's it's deep. It is multifaceted. And so I'm I'm focused on the podcast, but I'm also working on it as a book. And that's just a matter of finding the right agent and the right publisher uh, for the book. And I know I know we'll find that. So a lot of my time is spent on that. I'm also and very involved in um, you know politics here locally and really encouraging people to get involved politically uh, for animals. And so I am hosting a second annual conference around effective advocacy and political engagement and communication uh, when it comes to specifically, obviously, animal advocacy. But obviously, these things can be applied to all aspects. So that's coming up in in August, and I just started a political action committee with some fellow advocates here in Oakland. So we're working with, you know, with city officials. We're we're working on getting 
people elected who are animal friendly working to get animal friendly legislation passed. And I, and I love it. I think it's really important. I think people, you know, it's the hard work. The, the p- political work is hard work because it's slow and mm. you don't get these instant victories, but you do get victories and these victories are longer lasting than, than, than a lot. And if you can change laws, I mean, changing laws for animals changes our, our, our cultural, you know, engagement with them and, how they're treated. I mean, it really makes a huge difference. So I'm involved in, in, in those things as well. And, um, yeah, and just, just kind of just trying to do what I can to, you know, to make the world a better place. Really. Well, you know, I called you a pioneer in the beginning, a trailblazer. These things all come to mind when I think of you, you're, you're mm-hmm. one of my personal heroes. I have so much respect for you. Um, you know, guys go check her out. Colleen Patrick, Of course you can find her on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We'll have all those links for you in the show notes. Um, so go go check her out if you haven't if you haven't heard of Colleen before that's okay uh, if you're new to this lifestyle uh, it's even more okay check out the 30 day vegan challenge uh, listen to her podcast she's she's an awesome inspiration and I just thank you so much for coming on the show Colleen thank you Corey I really appreciate it It was a pleasure and I love what you're doing and it's an honor to be on your show thank you Hey guys, what's up? It's Corey back in the studio. Thank you so much for making it through another episode of Lean Green Dad Radio. But hey, don't let your experience end here. Visit us online at leangreendad.com. There you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram. We've even got a YouTube channel for you. So until next week, I hope you have an awesome, wonderfully healthy week. And uh, we'll keep going that extra mile for our families. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week.